So I want to to visit with you today. The title of my message is, Can You Hear Me Now? God's Plan for Communication with His People. Probably brings to mind a rather annoying commercial. It was on two or three years ago, probably of this guy that looks like Waldo of Where's Waldo fame, right? And he's walking around with this cell phone, and he's saying, Can you hear me now? Right? And then he'd move over somewhere else, and Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? The idea being that some cell phone providers, I guess, provided better reception than others. But it's also a good, it's a good illustration for this message. Because this message is about how God desires to communicate with his people. How he actually has made a way for us to be in constant communication with him. And he's, he's very verbal. Right? God is constantly expressing himself to his people. And so it's kind of like he's saying, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? So what we're going to do today is we're going to get into the word, get into the scriptures, and we're going to show you God's plan for communication with his people. And we're going to see that there is a mechanism, a vehicle, a person actually, that resides in you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is ever-present, always willing to speak to you individually, day by day, moment by moment, to literally speak to you and to guide and direct you into all truth. Amen? Amen. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Galatians or your iPads or your iPhones or your laptops or whatever method you have to to look at the Bible. And we're going to talk today about about, um, an apostle, about the Apostle Paul. Whenever we begin to talk about revelation, we begin to talk about uh, truths that are being revealed to people, there's probably no better example in the entire Bible than the Apostle Paul. He wrote, wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, and God revealed more truths and more mysteries to him than probably anybody in the history of the church. And just to give you a little bit of background, particularly with regard to the book of Galatians, you know, Paul was a contemporary of Jesus Christ. Most of us don't realize that, but he was a Pharisee, and he was a young man that was growing up. And at about 35 A.D., Jesus was crucified, by the way, about 33 A.D. About 35 A.D., he has an encounter with the Lord. Now, he was working for the Jewish leadership within, in Jerusalem, and they would send Paul out. Saul, then, was his name. They would send him out, and he would gather up Christians and bring them back to Jerusalem to be imprisoned because teaching Christianity, teaching the Bible, teaching the Word, Jesus Christ in those days was a crime, essentially, for the established church. And so Paul, then Saul, is going out and he's, he's imprisoning all these people. And on the way to Damascus, Syria, right, then the Lord appears to him in an amazing way. A voice, bright light comes, renders him completely blind. A voice says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And he stops and says, who are you, Lord? He has enough sense to know it's it's Lord. It's somebody, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now, there's a whole story there about how Jesus identifies with his church, right? And that Paul was persecuting the church, and Jesus said, you're persecuting me. But essentially, he said, go into the city, and I will show you things that you must suffer for me. That which you must go about with me. Now, at that point, Paul was called into the ministry. You can kind of see that. But unlike most 
evangelists and a lot of people who are called into the ministry, he didn't immediately go and begin to try to book speaking engagements. Okay, what he did instead was he spent 17 years. You can read about this in the book of Acts and then Galatians and other places. He spent 17 years getting alone with God. And when he got alone with God, the Lord revealed to him mysteries that were embedded into the Old Testament like no one had ever seen before. God gave him truths. He gave him the gospel of grace, right, which we enjoy today. He gave him the gospel of grace, and he gave him these hidden truths, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. In fact, we'll read here in a minute where he said, I didn't receive this from man. I received it directly from God. And he's a good example. Paul is a good illustration of how God wants to reveal in-depth truths, mysteries that have been locked up for ages and ages to his people and to his church. And we have the benefit of that today. Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. We have the benefit of that today. But there's also a fresh, exciting way that God will reveal even deeper truths than just his written word to each one of us individually. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the revelation, the revelation of truth that God gives to us through his Holy Spirit. Okay, so y'all are in Galatians, in Galatians, the first chapter. Let's read the uh, beginning with verse 11, Galatians 1, 11. He says, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pause there just a minute and let's talk about that word. Apocalypsis is that word revelation right there. There's several words that you could use in the Greek for revealing and for revelation. Paul chooses to use the word apocalypsis, and we'll talk about what that means in a minute. He said, but you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. That's what we were talking about before. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, look at this, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Whole other message right there about how God calls us to grace even from the time before we're born. He brings us into that place where he wants to bestow his favor and his grace upon us from before we were even formed in our mother's womb. Very good stuff. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then if you'll skip down to chapter 2, verse 1, then after 14 years... After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. So what Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and the reason he does this introductory part right here, is that they were being taught a different gospel. What was happening was Judaizers, Judaizers, Jews from from Jerusalem who were believers in Christ, but they were still going around and they were telling the church in Galatia, and by the way, this church was made up mostly of Romans and Greeks and Celtic people. So they're pagans, right? I mean, they're right off the street. They don't know anything about the law. They don't know anything about circumcision. 
right, which is what they were teaching. They were essentially teaching, look, if you want to be saved, you have to be circumcised. If y'all don't know what circumcised means, look it up in a dictionary. Don't Google it. <laughs> Think about that, okay? No, just look it up in an old dictionary and read what it is. But anyway, it was a part of the law. Under the law, under the old covenant, in order to be saved, you had to be circumcised. And so these folks were going around to the, to the church in Galatia, and they were saying, well, yeah, that's okay that y'all are saved, but you also have to follow the law. So what they were doing was they were adding to the gospel of grace a measure of performance. You with me? Adding to the gospel of grace a measure of performance. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that on a day-to-day basis. Right? I think so many times I have to perform in order to please God when I don't recognize that because I'm in Christ and because of the gospel of grace in Christ, when God looks at me, he sees his son. Right? He sees me covered with grace. He sees me covered with the blood. He sees me righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's what Paul was teaching the church at Galatians. And these guys were coming along behind him and they were saying, Oh, well, all that gospel Paul taught you, that's all pretty good. And you can believe and you can be saved. But you also have to follow the law. It's also a performance that's involved with that. And Paul's saying, No, 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 no. I didn't receive this gospel that I imparted to you. I didn't receive that sitting under the teaching of someone else, under Peter, under John, under James. I didn't receive this gospel. I received it by revelation from God. I received it directly from, by revelation of God. And he uses that word apocalypsis. I said we'd get back to it. The word revelation there, apocalypsis, doesn't just mean the thing revealed. It also means the interpretation the understanding and the application of that thing revealed. The interpretation, understanding, and application of a thing revealed. It's the same word that's used for the book of Revelation, right? It's the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ to the apostle John. And not only did John see Jesus Christ in his end-time glory, but he also saw the in-depth interpretation, understanding, and application of the end times. Right? If you ever read, read the book of Revelation, you realize it's not just the truth revealed. It is a lot more to it than that. The point is this. What God wants to reveal to us isn't just his written word, although he does want us to know that. And he does want us to walk and hear and read it. But he also wants to reveal to us an in-depth understanding, an in-depth application. And the intricacies of his word so that we might walk with him day by day, moment by moment, situation by situation. See, Cindy and I had that experience. Cindy, specifically, back before we were married. We were engaged. I was in law school at at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Comes up. No Dallas Cowboy jokes, but Red Raiders. I can do Red Raiders, right? Okay, yeah, I'll come on, Josh. But so anyway, yeah. But so I'm, I'm at Tech. She's in Dallas. She's working. And most of her savings, in fact, most all of her savings, we were like a couple of young folks. We weren't completely broke, but we were badly bent, right? <laughs> Old joke. But, you know, and all of her savings were com- comprised of some bank stock that she had, specifically some bank stock certificates. Now, for some of you younger folks, I'm going to have to pause a moment and explain what a stock certificate is. Right now, you do everything electronically, but back in those days, they actually issued stock certificates. You would get it in the mail. You'd buy shares of stock. You'd get it in the mail. It was a piece of paper with this little emblem on it, and it could be touched and felt and handled and misplaced. 
unfortunately, in Cindy's situation. Because she decides, we decided, okay, we're going to sell this bank stock, kind of give us a grub stake when we move to Amarillo and, and, and get going before we start our jobs. So she starts looking for that stock certificate. Well, she looks for it for a week, you know, 10 days, something like that. And we're talking on the phone. I just can't find that stock certificate anywhere. And without the stock certificate, unless you go through a bunch of hassle to replace it, you know, we could, basically couldn't cash it in, couldn't have the money. And I said, well, just pray about it. Let's pray about sin. And she was newly baptized in the Holy Spirit, okay? She went to Dallas. The Lord baptized her in, in the Holy Spirit. And I mean, so I said, just pray about it. The Lord will show us those things. He'll, he wants to reveal it to us. She said, okay. So that night before she went to bed, she just got, you know, got ready for bed. And she just began to pray. She said, Lord, your word says that that which is hidden shall be revealed. And I pray that you'd help me to find this stock certificate so I can marry the man of my dreams and become eternally happy, right? So the Lord was in favor of that. Yeah, I like that idea for my benefit, not hers. But he said, okay, you know, so she, she didn't get anything immediately, you know. So, well, okay, I prayed. We'll just wait and see. She goes to bed, goes to sleep, wakes up the next morning. The very first thought that she had the next morning in her mind was, that stock certificate is in your hand. That thought. She wakes up. First, first thought she has, that stock certificate is in your hand. Well, she knew it wasn't her thinking that. You know, she knew that was the Lord giving her that, that word. The stock certificate is in So she took comfort in that. She got up and just, of a sudden, she just had an impression to look one place she had not looked. And that was she had a box, an orange crate, actually, that was under her bed. And she had not looked. She looked everywhere else. She'd forgotten all about that crate. So she gets under there, pulls it out. In it were, you know, like bank statements and love letters from the most wonderful man in the world, you know, all the way from Lubbock. I was very, very, you know, suave, debonair guy. That wrote all these letters. Yeah, but that was back when we wrote letters. That's another thing, young people, that y'all can take note from this message. We had kerosene lanterns, and we would read those. <laughs> so anyway, she pulls out this box. And just kind of stuck up, kind of in the corner, she saw this envelope, pulled out the envelope, stock certificate, right there in that stock certificate. She went, cashed it in, married me, and lived happily ever after, ever since then. But here's the point, right? God wanted to reveal that to Cindy for a lot of reasons. One was, you know, to cash the stock certificate in, all that. She could have gone. But, But God wants to reveal himself to us. Right? Don't you know that Cindy's heart was overwhelmed when she realized that God, the creator of the universe, right, had spoken to her personally in response to that, to that prayer and, and with regard to the need that she had, the Lord had intervened in her life. Right? See, it blessed her, but it blessed God too because God wants to do that. You know, he sent his son to die on the cross so that we might come into communion and fellowship with him again, right? He wants to have that fellowship. He wants us to know more about him because the more we know about him, the more we love him, and the more we love him, the more we serve him, and the more we serve him, the more of his presence is is in our lives, and the more we're able to step away from sin and the consequences that that the world tries to bring, right? All of those things are the result of an intimate relationship with the Lord. 
And what he does is he reveals himself and he reveals him his truths to us individually, personally, so that we might have that spiritual growth that he wants us to see. Okay, praise God. So let's talk about how he goes about doing that, right? Because Paul wrote some more about that in, uh, in 2 Corinthians. So turn in your Bibles, if you will, or, or turn over. To, oh, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is Jesus' teaching. Before Paul teaches it, Jesus teaches it. It's in John 16, okay? John 16, 12. And to set the context here, um, Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, right? In fact, this is the, the day before he, or the night he's betrayed, right before he's betrayed. And he's gathered all his disciples together, and he's kind of giving them a, a set of final instructions. You should go read John 15, 14, 15, 16, and, and what you'll see is it's all in red letters, right? Because it's Jesus teaching his disciples everything he wanted them to know before he went to the cross. Okay, it's very intimate, you know, it's very, a lot of truth, and it's very, very uh, good stuff. And so in John 16, 12, this is what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit communicating with us. He goes, I still have many things to say to you, But you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Underline that. He will speak. The Holy Spirit is speaking, right? He's talking about what he's going to speak, but he doesn't speak on his own authority. He speaks to each one of us. And he will tell you things to come. I don't know about you. I'd love to know what's around the corner, right, with the things that are going on. I'd love to know what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine. This is Jesus. He will glorify me, Jesus said, for he will take of what is mine, and he will declare it to you. That word declare means to speak it profoundly, to speak it loudly. He will declare it to you. Not going to whisper it. I mean, he declares that which Jesus has revealed to us. Wow, pretty good, right? So Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our guide, you know, the one who will come alongside of us. He's saying he will guide you into all truth. He will show you the intricacies, the understanding, the application, day-to-day guidance that the Holy Spirit gives to us. So whatever the situation, the Word says, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of things that concern me. And so the Lord will speak to that. He will declare that. He will show us truth in each one of those circumstances in which we find ourselves. Okay? When you say, when well, I'm not a disciple, you know, one of the original 12, I'm not the Apostle Paul. doesn't matter. That is available for each one of us. And Paul makes that point. Now we can go to 1 Corinthians 2. Okay? And we're, we're rocking along here. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. Paul is quoting an Old Testament passage out of Isaiah. Okay? He's quoting an Old Testament. He's unlocking a truth from the Old Testament. And he says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, and a lot of people stop right there, right? I don't know if you heard that verse quoted, you know, God works in mysterious ways, and then they just stop, but they don't go on to, say, to read the rest of the verse. And the rest of the verse says, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. He has revealed them to us, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? 
Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Makes sense, right? The Spirit of God knows the deep things of God in the same way that our spirit knows the deep things about us. So what does he want to reveal? The deep things of God. Now, you can listen to Joseph Prince all day. I'm very much in favor of that. You can listen to Pastor Richie. I'm even more in favor of that, you know, every day and every week. And you can get a great level of understanding. But there's a higher level, right? There's a deeper walk that we can, we can attain through receiving the truth of the Holy Spirit. And that, that's what that's talking about. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. <sighs> Selah, right? Stop and pause and think about that, right? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That sounds a lot like the gospel of grace, doesn't it? The things that have been, we don't earn it, don't have to perform. It's been freely given to us by God. We might know those things by the fact that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and speaks to our spirit. Okay, let me just kind of talk about this a minute. He says, eye has not seen nor ear heard, and, and, nor has entered into the heart of man. What he's saying is these things aren't physically discerned, right? You don't see it with your sight. You don't hear it with your ears. You know, you don't, the heart, he's talking about your mind, really, and your intellect. Said you don't, you don't know these things by your heart. It's not something you understand physically. It's something you discern spiritually. That's why it's so important for us to feed our spirit man, Okay. You know, we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. The spirit man inside of us is what is recreated when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Word says, uh, behold, all things have become new. If, if any man receives God, he's a new creature, a new creation. All things have become new. He's talking about your spirit inside of you. Okay, so hang, hang on. Stay with me. Your spirit inside of you, when you accept Jesus Christ, it comes alive and it becomes attuned and able to hear the Holy Spirit. And then the more you feed that spirit man, the more you feed your spirit with the word, you know, with, with praise, with, with community, all those things, the more you, you feed that spirit man, the better able he is, he or she is, to hear the Holy Spirit. You with me? So your strength, it's called a pneumatikos. You're a pneuma, a pneuma man, spirit, pneumatikos. That part of you comes alive when you accept Christ, and that's how you hear the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily come to your consciousness until you get quiet before God and you say, Lord, would you please speak to me about this, about whatever it is, okay? It's what Cindy did. Turned off all the lights, got ready to go to bed, just say, Lord, this concerns me. You know, this is something I'm worried about. Would you speak to me about this particular area? And then be quiet. Don't keep talking. Don't have to keep repeating it over and over again, right? You don't have to turn on praise music to get in the mood, right? You just get quiet. And I guarantee you, I will guarantee you this, you will get an impression, right? You may not hear the voice of God. Good, hear the voice of God. But chances are you will have an impression and you will say, Whoa, that, that wasn't me. That, that didn't come from me. Where, where, where was that? Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep hear my voice. So what do you have to do? Act like a sheep. <laughs> right? Become a sheep. Just sit there and say, okay, okay. 
And what will happen is he will reveal truth to you. He will show you things to come. He will declare Jesus to you. He will show you that which he has freely given us as a result of our relationship with Christ. When you do that, you begin to see your spiritual growth just exponentially explode. I mean, you really will. Because the more you know God, then the more you want to walk with him. And the more you walk with him, the stronger you become in in the spirit. That's what separates us from the world. That's why we've not received the little s spirit of the world, but we've received the big s spirit of God so that he might reveal those things to us. Okay? So and what I want to encourage you to do, whatever it is that's troubling you, whatever it's concerning you, get to a quiet place. And it may take 30 minutes. For me, it takes about that long to get all the clutter out of my mind, to get everything kind of removed to where I'm just sitting there in the quiet presence of God. But as you begin to do that, just say, Lord, I yield to the Holy Spirit, right? It's what you're doing. I yield to the Holy Spirit, ask you to fill me with your Spirit. Speak to me through your Spirit, Lord, about this. And then just wait on it, right? Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint, right? That's what they're saying, waiting on the Lord, okay? So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mechanism, yes, if you will. It's... A little bit formulistic, maybe, but we're really talking about the plan that God has put into place to communicate with his people, to become more intimate with them, to become more spiritually attuned to them, to reveal more of himself to us so that we might walk in the fullness of his presence. Amen? Okay. So let me close with this scripture. Revelation, see, even when Pastor Richie's here, you still get out early if I'm... I'm, preaching right that's right you're going this is early no that's all right revelation 320 okay revelation 320 is the last scripture and this is one where jesus is speaking to the churches in 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 revelation he says this behold i stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and dine with him and he with me (laughs) see that's what we're talking about we're talking about opening up the door he's standing at the door and knocking He wants to communicate. He wants to be revealed. He wants to be in relationship with us. He's standing at the door incessantly knocking, right? And the question is, will we open the door and let him in? When we do that, Father, I just want to hear, Holy Spirit, I just want to hear from you. You're opening the door, and it says he will come in, and he will dine with us and us with him. It's like you're sitting down at the communion table, at the dinner table with Jesus. You know, as a family, we had some of our best conversations at the dinner table, right? Where you just sit down and you're not in a hurry and you just just take your time and you just commune with one another. We have such a loving God that he sent his son to die on the cross and then resurrected him again so that we might have the opportunity to commune with him just like this. We do that spirit to spirit. Our spirit made alive because of Christ, attuned to his, to the Holy Spirit, who then guides us into all truth. Can't beat that deal. Can't beat that deal. Okay? So here's what I'd like you to do. We're going to close, if you will, stand. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.